Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. You, you are called uh, to worship, right? I don't know whose word of this is, but I'm taking it. Um, <laughs> your calling is worship. Did you know that? Uh, when, God made, when God made us in, in the garden, he didn't, he, he, just remember one thing, he, he didn't need you. Did you get that? Yeah? God didn't need us in the garden. It's not like he was feeling, feeling this, what's that movie, uh, the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, you know, it's not like that. We didn't complete him, he is complete, right? He's perfect. Uh, he wasn't lonely. People are like, he was lonely. No, he wasn't. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all of heaven, all the angels, he was not lonely. And if you're God, you're not bored with your own company. Yeah? He didn't need us because he lacked strength. He didn't need us because he has, he's on some ego trip and he wants your worship. Right? He created us out of love. And he created us for relationship. Yeah? So when he made Adam and Eve, it was never about a need that needed to be fulfilled in his heart. It was an outflow of love. Do you understand that? And Adam's job description was to have dominion over creation, which is yours as well. That's why Jesus had to die to restore that dominion to us. Yes, Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. In where, where God looks and they said, um, let us, which is awesome, us, which means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's, he's, a, he's a triune God. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The beauty about the story is that from the first line, you're introduced to all three of them. Isn't that awesome? Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, remember? Now there's this guy that we all know, whose name is the beginning and the end. In the beginning, so there's Jesus. Where is Jesus? Right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For the earth was empty and void and without form. And the Spirit, yes, there's Holy Spirit, so you have Father, you have the beginning who is Jesus, and you have the Spirit hovering over the deep. It was hovering over the deep, and God said, let there be light. There's another guy I know, same guy, whose name is the light of the world. I am the light of the world. There's another guy that I know who's called the Word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the first three verses of the book. They're right there. And then in verse 26, God goes, let us create man. Wow, that was, that was like a power trip right there. The volume just went up. It was just me. <laughs> let us, I just need a deeper voice. You know, like, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. Remember that? Genesis 1 verse 26, 27 and 28. I promise it's very good. Read it. Right? Let us make man in our image and likeness, which is quite profound because... He made, he made us in all three, the triune God's image and likeness, right? Blessed us, 
Let us make man in our image and likeness. By the way, image and likeness, uh, if, you were, if you were a Hebrew and you read that after Moses wrote the story, and you read image and likeness, that meant to you that you can do what he does and you can be who he is. I want you to think about that for a minute. You can do what he does and you can be like he is. Nature of God and the power of God. Yeah? Now that is a pretty profound setup. So he speaks about who you are, what he made you for. You are made in the image and likeness of God. So the likeness of God is in us. Right? That's why you're called a son of God. Isn't that profound? So there is God-likeness in you. Yeah? I said to the men yesterday, people don't like always that I say that, but I think I'm right and I think you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry about that. But wherever I go, wherever I show up, God shows up. And you go, oh, you're arrogant. No, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So wherever I show up, guess who shows up? Because the image and likeness of God is in me. It was restored through Jesus. So what it means is I can walk into the darkest of atmospheres. I can walk into the hardest of situations. And I actually have dominion and not the darkness. Not because of me, but because of who's in me. The one whose image and likeness I made into. Does that make sense? So many believers, this is completely not what I wanted to talk about, but so many believers, right, are so intimidated by your surroundings. And I want to tell something to you guys. I love you. <laughs> I really do. I love the body of Christ. But one of the things that I do is I do study you a little bit. And what I mean is I'm just observing. Just observing you. Not in a bad way, just like you're observing me, am I right? We've been checking each other out for a while now, right? It's like a first date situation, right? You've been checking me out, I've been checking you out. Not in a bad way, I want to understand where you are and I want to see how I can maybe help. You've been checking me out to see if you can trust me, am I right? That's also okay. It's the right way to do it, by the way. You guys are so amazing. But you're very cautious. Very cautious. And if there's one thing that I would like to fire up in you this morning is to be less cautious and more aggressive in your stance for what you believe is possible through God in your life. Does it make sense? Too many, it's not just you, it's the church in South Africa. <laughs> Too many believers have the handbrake on. Do you call it a handbrake? Too many believers have the handbrake off, on, and they're waiting for God to say, you can let go. I would like you to pull the handbrake off and wait for God to tell you to stop. You were made in the image and likeness of God. You can have His nature, holiness, righteousness, peace, joy. That's available to you. But His power is just as much available to you. 
Both is on the table. And a lot of Christians are cautious and they're afraid of stepping into some sort of error or some sort of deception or whatever it might be. But I want to tell you there is a way called Jesus. And in Jesus, you have permission like you got in Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, and 28. In Jesus, He gives you permission to have access to everything. That's His words. Everything the Father has given unto me, I give to you. Whew. Do you want to think about that for a minute? That's John 17. Everything the Father has given unto me, I have given to you. Guys, you just breathe out. Breathe in, okay? You've got to listen to me. Everything the Father has given unto me, I give unto you. That is wild. That is image and likeness. But it's also whatever is available in heaven was available to Jesus. And now he says, I give that to you. And some believers are still waiting for an invitation to step into the power and the nature of God. Because our attitude is a little bit, I'm a worm. Yeah? The problem with that thinking is it's unbiblical. We call it humility. Scripture calls it pride. Because what is humility? Humility is bowing to the word that is spoken by the highest authority. Would you agree? That's humility. Pride is when Emma, my daughter, she doesn't do that, but when she stands up against my authority and I say this and she goes, no, I'm going to do it this way. I have a better way. Do you agree? And then usually, I'm not allowed to say that, but in my country, there might be a, a, a bit of a spanking that follows that situation, right? I don't know what's happening around here. It's illegal in my, it's illegal in my country too, but we still do it. Because God says, do not remove the rod. So I'm not doing it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, so, but that's pride. I say this way, she says no, that way. Humility would be, I say this way, and she goes, yes, because you're the authority. God says, God, not me. It's not a denominational thing. It's not a theological thing. It's the Word of God. The Word of God says, you are made in the image and likeness of God. The Word of God says you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. That's the Word of God. The Word of God says, the Word Himself says, everything that has been given unto me by the Father, I give to you. Right? The Word of God says in Romans 8.29 that you are predestined in the image and likeness of Christ. That's the Word of God. The Word of God says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of you. That's the Word of God. And for you to go, oh no, it's not for me. I'm sorry to confuse you or upset you or offend you, but that's pride. Because you are opposing the highest authority in creation, God Himself. He says, this is who you are, and you go, uh-uh. That is Emma going, I'm not listening to you. Do you hear me? We've got to humble ourselves before what the Lord says about us. 
right? It's so important that we shift gears into what He has for us. And worship, the place of adoration, reminds you of who Jesus is. And as you are reminded of who He is, suddenly you remember who you are. Because one of the greatest revelations that can come to us is who is He and what does that mean is living inside of me then? Oh my goodness. The Creator of heaven and earth lives in me. Scripture says, Isaiah 66, it says, The heaven and earth cannot contain the Lord. Yes? But then it says, Colossians 1.27, which I've been hitting all weekend, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have you ever thought about that? The heavens cannot contain the glory of God, yet He lives in you. Isn't that wild? And we go, I'm a worm. No, you're not. You're not. I should be careful. No, you shouldn't. You should be bold as a lion. In your faith, not arrogant. Arrogance is not the way of the kingdom. Boldness is the way of the kingdom. And boldness is birthed out of humility. Because I'm listening to what the Lord says and I stand up in it and I do it. Right? That's the difference. It's the only difference. Jesus, let me read a verse when we're feeling better. John 8. Are you okay? I'm getting excited. This is problematic. What time? What time? What time? What time? 12. 12, 12, 12. All right. Is that right? 12, 12? Yes. So Jesus, uh, this is one of my favorite, I have lots of favorite verses. I'm not even going to, it sounds like I'm lying. John 8. All right, let's just say that. John 8. Jesus is standing and like always, everybody is upset with him. Yeah? Have you noticed? They didn't love him. His own, own family thought he's a lunatic and he's a demoniac, right? Remember that story? Yes? Remember that? How do you feel about your family right now? Better, ne? <laughs> okay. Uh, the church hated him. Yeah, they hated him. They didn't like him. Pharisees didn't like him. Sadducees didn't like him. Not a lot of people loved him, right? Even his disciples at some point is like this, drinking your flesh and eat, eating your flesh and drinking your blood. We're out of here. We're done. And he's like, and this is what I love about the pastoral side of Jesus, where he goes to them in, in John chapter 6, and he's like, so do you want to leave as well? <laughs> it's not like he's begging them, oh, please stay. He's like, do you want to leave? There's the door. Go. Why? He wants you to love Him for who He is. Right? That's it. Accept Him. Let truth offend you. Let truth bring the flesh out of you so that the Spirit can start reigning on your inside. But Jesus is standing. Everybody's upset with Him. He really knows how to get those Pharisees. Oh my gosh, He really knows how to get their motors running in all the wrong ways, right? He just knows how to push on the button. I mean, He could have said anything in John chapter 8 when they asked him who he is. And then he had to say, I am. Oh my, you don't say that, right? Because that's God with Moses in Exodus. And he chooses, he, he went there on purpose and he liked it. I'm sure he liked it. He's like, I am. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> right? Because he is. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't care if he offends you. He really doesn't care. He cares that you get the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Same chapter, right? Everybody's angry with him. They're accusing him. They want to stone him. They want to kill him half of the time. Most of us would have been out of ministry on the first day that Jesus started preaching, by the way. Because the first day he preached, everybody wanted to stone him. And we would go, you see, God, I preached to them. I love them. And they want to kill me. I'm not called. 
Yeah? The first day he preaches, they all want to kill him. Aren't you glad he's not like us? Because he could have quit. No, thank you, God. I, Father, I know you called me for this, but these people are horrible. They don't even listen to me. I mean, I actually made them. <laughs> and they want to stone me? I'm bringing good news. I'm loving them. I'm healing their sick. I'm opening blind eyes and they're offended. Lord, I am done. I'm calling down fire. Let's burn up the whole bunch and start over in Spring Hill, Florida. <laughs> right? He's not like us. He stands in the midst of all of this and he makes this incredible statement. John 8 verse 14, he says, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. That's powerful. I love that about him. He's offended. Everybody's going at him. Everybody's hating him. Everyone he wants to kill him. They're angry. I mean, have you ever thought about it? Like, literally, he's the reason why all the two-year-olds in the whole of Israel got murdered. Thought about that. He knows that. And we go, oh man, my life is so hard. You don't get it. No, no, you don't get it. But he stands in the midst of all of this, right? And he goes, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. That's the only way that we are going to stand in the tests, the trials, the tribulations that's going to come. That's the only way that you're going to worship in spirit and truth, be filled with revelation light about who God is and make a difference in the world around you, is if you're moved by Him and not moved by them. You hear me? I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. That's identity. That's identity. He knows exactly who he is in that moment. He's not needing the acceptance and the appreciation and the applause of man. Why? Because he's got the applause and the praise of his Father. As believers, we've got to get back to that place. We've got to get back to that place. And I love this story because, you know, because here's the thing. If he says, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going, if he was speaking in earthly terms, that's a problem. Because where does he come from in earthly terms? Broken family, kind of. Born in a manger. Most Christians today look at their sad upbringing and they go, I was born in a manger. Can anything good come from Spring Hill? Just born in a manger. This is how poor we were. God is strange. God looks at it and He goes, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I don't know who is He making the plans with in heaven, but I'm sure it's fun. And sitting in that church meeting must be awesome, right? And He's going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something awesome. I'm going to let you be born in a manger. He's going to suck, man. Oh my gosh, everybody's going to have pity on you. Then I'm going to take you and I'm going to blow you up to become the name above every name, the name at which every knee will bow and confess that I am God. I'm going to use your sad story. It's going to bring me so much glory. It's awesome. And we go, oh, born in a manger. No, I was born in a manger. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What are you going to do out of this place, out of the ashes, something always rises up. And we go, we look at our story and we go, oh. He goes, this is a great idea. Your past does not determine where you're going. What man did to you does not determine who you are. The abuse, the 
the neglect, the words, the lack of love from your family, the criticism of man, the persecution, the trials, the tribulations, the, the suffering does not define you. He does. He defines me. He decides who I am. He opens the doors for me. You don't. Right? But we want to take that and make that an excuse in life where the God of creation came down, humbled Himself to the point of death, even on a cross, died for your sake and mine so that everything is redeemable. Everything. Everything is redeemable. Every story in your life is redeemable. Amen. Everything. I said to guys the other day, I was like, listen, I've probably not been through what you've been through in your life. You've also probably not been through what I've been through. I don't know. We can share stories out and we're going to leave the press. I'm pretty sure about that. Because I'm going to tell something and you're going to go, oh, my story is worse. And some of your stories are really bad. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I sat, listen, I don't even, I'm not being funny. I sat with people, man, that, like... I hear their stories and it's like, it breaks your heart, man. Like, what humans can do to humans. It's just, it's, it's, it's evil. We're so evil. And you just want to break. And I sit there and I go, Lord, like, how does this human recover? How do you recover out of all this death, all of this destruction that took place in your life? Just loss. All of these things. And then there's always this massive shadow of a cross that shines over creation and saying there is redemption. There's the blood. There's the story of this. It's not about your manger. It's not. It's not. Jesus, it says that we have this great high priest and we can go to him because he has sympathy. He understands what we went through. You've heard that before? People always go, yeah, but you don't understand, brother. You don't know what I went through. No, no, no. I might not, but he does. And you go, no, how does he? I want <laughs> to... Do you understand what happened to him when he died? <laughs> are, we getting what the, are we getting what he went through on that cross? And we think of the 40 lashes. That's nothing. That's nothing. Sin. He became sin. Are you hearing this? The worst diseases, the fullness of HIV age, the, the, the fullness of abuse, of perversion, of destruction, all of that was poured onto the Son of God. The vilest, most evil things that has ever been done to humanity was done to Him first on that cross. Because hell poured out its best upon your Savior and mine. He took all of it. Died. And then the father said, Is that all you've got? And he said, Let's raise him up <laughs> into victory. And all things are redeemable by the Son of God, the blood that flowed, the mercy of Jesus. I'm telling you this because I don't want you to live with an excuse in your life for not becoming who you want you to be because of your past. The world does not define you. The opinion of man does not define you. He does. When he said, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going, he was not talking about a manger. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about his father. 
I'm born, do you get it? Me, I'm me, you too, but you don't want to believe it always. I am literally born out of the Spirit of God. I'm born out of heaven. God's life flows through me. That's wild. And it's not my fault, it's His fault. I'm just the beneficiary of the greatness, the goodness, the mercy of God. That's all we are. We're just beneficiaries. And then we go, oh no, I don't want that. I'm just a worm. Then be a worm. Enjoy yourself. I'm not going to be one. <laughs> I refuse. Honestly, I refuse. I refuse the mediocre. Yeah. He paid too high a price for me to live a mediocre life. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. That's an injustice to the cross. We're cautious. We're afraid. We don't want to push into this. It's available. Some of us are stuck into the way. I don't know. I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. And we think maybe a cross or we think a big ministry or a big business or a miracle ministry or whatever it was that Jesus did. He wasn't talking about that either. Because some of us are stuck in this expectation that tomorrow is going to be better. If my ship only comes in, man, it's going to be awesome. Your ships already come in about 2,000 years ago. All things that the Father has given unto me, I give to you. Your ship has come in. Do you believe it though? He wasn't talking about anything here. He was talking about his Father. It's identity. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Is it real to you? Or are we still battling through this thing and measuring ourselves against the guy next to me? And, oh man, Facebook is so depressing. Oh my goodness. Because all my friends have cooler photos on Facebook than I do. It's like we were doing a tent crusade in our villages one time. We have our little tent. There's like 20 people there, and we're pumped. We're thinking, oh my gosh, this is insane. And I go on Facebook, my other friend is in Malawi. There's like 500,000 at the meeting, and I'm going, I feel like an underachiever right now, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, he's being obedient, and God is doing that. I'm being obedient, and he's doing that. So do you think God is rewarding him more than he's rewarding me? This guy's church is two million minus two, just two. I think I told you I showed up to my church one day. They're all drunk. Not the good drunk, the bad drunk. Drunk on alcohol, all of them. That's my church. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you guys right now. <laughs> it's just doing an amazing apostolic church plant here. Boom. <laughs> Do you think God looks at me and goes, oh, you're such a failure. And he looks at the guy with the two million and goes, oh, look at you. You're awesome. Was it not all the grace of God? Yeah. My job is obedience. It's not about the manger. It's not about the success that I hope is coming. It's about living in this moment in His image and in His likeness, under the shadow of His wing, loving God, worshiping Him and enjoying Him. But some of you can't even step into that place because you feel like a worm. Boldly, boldly, 
come to the throne of grace. Worms are not bold. <laughs> Gotta get the butter. <laughs> Boldly we approach the throne. Guys, are you bold in your approach? Or is the manger defining you? Is your past defining your approach to God? I have done everything wrong that I could do wrong before I met Jesus. He still loves me. I am as valuable to Him as the guy who's never done anything wrong in his life. Not because of how awesome I am, but because of the blood that paid and spoke over my life. I know where I come from. Both ways. I know my manger as well. But it doesn't disqualify me. It makes me grateful. My manger humbles me. And it makes me grateful. And I'm going, oh my goodness, Jesus, if you can do this with this thing, then oh my goodness, what is possible? That's a different way of looking at it. Too many of us are stuck in the past. I hope I haven't told the story, but I'm standing with a man one time and I'm, he must be in his 50s or 60s, I would say, awesome guy, awesome guy. He, he loves the Lord. He's in church every week. We're in that specific place. When I preached, he's like one of the pillars in that church. And um, so I'm ministering there, and, and people are coming out for prayer afterwards. And, uh, so, you know, everybody's telling their story, pray for me for this, pray for that. And we're, we're just praying. We're just partnering with him, trusting God for breakthrough. So this guy comes, big old guy, you know, huge, manly man. And... Um, and he's just bawling. I mean, ugly cry, right? He's just crying. And I'm just kind of hugging him, holding him. I'm like, what can I do for you, man? How can I pray for you? And he goes, he says, you know what? My, um, my dad, my dad never loved me. Never in his life have he told me that he loves me. I'm like, oh, that sucks. You know, immediately my reaction is empathy and sympathy and all of this. I'm like, oh, that sucks, man. And, um, and he's just like, I just don't feel, you know, my life is just this and that. And and I'm going, because I know this guy, he's not new in church, he's been around, he's heard this stuff, he's heard truth so many times. And um, I look at him, and I actually kind of want to sympathize, and then the next minute I get really angry with him. <laughs> it's weird, which is not me, I'm actually friendly. Um, and uh, I actually just get so angry with him. And I'm like, Lord, what's going on with me? Why am I upset with this guy? And, and this holy anger comes over me, and I look at him, and I tell him, I say, this is enough now. He's, he didn't expect that. I'm like, this is enough now. He's like, are you seriously going to let your dad, who never said he loves you, ruin your life for 60 years when the Father in heaven has shouting over you how much he loves you, but that voice is not bigger than the voice of a dad that obviously had issues and that is hurt and probably just needs the love of God in any way, but now that is defining you for 60 years? Come on. Do you, that's not right. You hear me? That's not right. I get that we're hurt. I get it. But my goodness, there is redemption. And now we let these things define our walk with the Lord. Like I spoke to people and they're like, yeah, you know, I prayed for the sick that one time and nothing happened. My wife died. My sister died. My dad died. So I'm done. I'm like, listen, I get it. I get it. But now you're quitting on something that's available because you had a disappointment. It's not the way this works. 
So are you going to stop winning souls because that guy didn't want to get born again? Are you stopping now? Because I preached to that guy and he said, no. Okay, so now we're done with soul winning. Really? What are we doing, church? Why are we thinking this way? When it doesn't work the first time, it's like we go back to the drawing board, which is called the prayer room. We go back to what? Image and likeness of God. Lord, why am I not looking more like you? Why is your image and likeness not flowing through me more? I need to change. I need to look like you so that the next time that I touch that person, they get healed. The next time that I preach, they feel the love of God and they want to get born again. That's the response, not I quit. Amen. The response is forward. Amen. And we want to do this because we were disappointed. No. We don't step back, we step in. Yeah. Can I stretch you a little bit? <laughs> I'm, is it okay? Can I pull the elastic a little bit more? Yeah? yeah? So, I believe, I'm sorry about this if that offends you, but I believe that you can raise the dead. Right? Because God said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. So I believe that. Right? And you can argue with me, and that's okay. You're smarter than me, probably. But I'm going to believe it. Right? I believe that you can heal the sick, because he said you can. Now, you might disagree with me, and that's okay. It's your right. But I do believe I'm right. So... I've been pursuing raising the dead all my life. Okay? And you go, what, what are you even talking about? I know I'm not in your box right now. I'm out of your box. But I want your box to break. I need it to break this morning. Right? I've been pursuing it all my life. Why? Because I'm living in an area where death is worshipped. They worship death. They don't celebrate life. They worship death. So in my thinking, I'm going, God, if you just... Pull one out of that place, right? Surely they're going to go. The God I serve is mightier than this thing that you served called death. Because life triumphs over death, right? That's me. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but that's just the way it is, right? So my whole life, I've been pursuing this thing. One day, we're in America, in your awesome country, in 2017. My brother-in-law, they're pregnant with twins, Right? We're going into labor. We're in Colorado somewhere. Right? We see the messages. We're going into labor. So excited. All right? Baby number one comes out. Noel. Awesome. Born. Kicking. Yay. Twins. We're waiting for number two. Waiting. 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 We're still waiting. Born still that morning breaks our hearts we're not with them her dad is with us but like they're alone right we get so but remember what I believe are you hearing me so we get on the airplane we fly back a week later we arrive 10 days after this event we arrive in South Africa I get off the airplane I am greeted with a brother-in-law with a baby chair in his hands and he says you are going with me to the mortuary right now you said you believe God can raise the dead. Let's go. That's not what he's saying, but that's what he's thinking. Yeah? 
and he's taking a baby chair because this baby's coming back. Now, you might disagree with that or not. That's your business. Get in the car. Here we go. Fresh off the 36-hour flight, right? Smelling lovely. Let's go. She puts me in the car. We go. We go to the mortuary. Have you ever held a dead baby in your hand? It's not fun, right? So I'm holding the baby. We're walking around. We have an hour, and we're praying, Jesus, touch this child. Your mercy, it's his mercy. It's not about you, but it's the image and likeness of God. I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going. This is not going to define my faith in who he is. The disappointment is not going to break the goodness of God and the revelation of the goodness of God in my life. Because he never said it's going to be perfect, but he said, I give you power. So we're walking up and down. It's not happening, right? Praying, 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 praying. Nothing. Nothing. You know how that feels? I've been fasting, seeking God for this. Now someone that I love is going through something. We can't get them back. It sucks. Baby's dead. We go home. We've got to deal with it. Right? Most people at this point says, you see, I told you it won't work. My problem is I'm not as smart as most people. But I'm really stubborn. Because I saw it in this book, and I saw this guy do it. His name is Jesus. He did it, and he said, I can do what he does. Didn't he say that? John 14, verse 12. The same things and greater you will do. You can decide if you want to believe that or not. I am going to. Because I need it so that people can get to Christ, that they can get born again, that his name will be glorified throughout the earth. That's my agenda. Now I walk into Zimbabwe a couple of months later. We have churches there, preaching. It's late at night. I'm tired. I've been doing village for a couple of days now. Drove, drove a couple of thousand miles. I've been doing service. I think, I do, how many services did we do? Like 21 services in 10 days. Some of the services four, five, six hours long. I know most of us are out of there. But when God comes, you just keep going, right? You don't stop. So I'm sitting. I'm tired. It's 11 o'clock at night. And the phone rings of the pastor. Phone rings. They're like talking their language. I'm lost in translation. Like I'm usually, most of the time, almost always in my life. <laughs> right? waiting for a chance to do something. What do you want me to do? What do, you, what do I need to do? I don't know what's going on. Somebody tell me, please. Right? Anyway, so they say somebody's coming. I'm like, okay, detail would be great, but I don't know what's going on. So they bring in this lady. She's 23 years old. But the problem is she's dead. Right? Dead. Stiff. Dead. Dead. I put her in the middle of the floor. I heard this afterwards. The parents phoned around and I said, is there anybody in this area? Because she was declared dead by the doctors, by the hospital. Right? Then the parents go, is there anyone who believes that God can raise the dead in this area? And for some reason, our name came up. I'm not even living there. They go, oh, that's it. By the way, listen to me now. You want to be that person. I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. And the death of my brother-in-law's baby does not define me or who he is. Do you hear me? He's God. He said, do this stuff. Now, you might disagree with me, and I'm so sorry if you do. I don't want to, but I want you to push. I want you to go forward. 
I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to lift this thing up that we run for God. Putting this woman in front of me, I'm all, we're all looking at her. I take her hand, lift it up, and it just stays there. I'm like, okay, this is a problem. Yeah? Do you realize that you cannot fix that, nor me? This is outside of our area of expertise. It's outside of our skill set. It's out of our talent base. It's out of our ability. Our bank account can't fix this. Nothing can fix this. Jesus can fix this. And you go, why do you feel pressure to do it? I don't and I do. The pressure is not on me. The pressure is on him. But this surely is an awesome opportunity to show death and ancestral worship that there is a God who is alive who is not intimidated by you. So I'm seeing a door. And my disappointment cannot hold me from what he's putting in front of me now. It's here. I cannot live out of my past experience by what not worked and then go, ah, this doesn't work, I'm out of here. Anyway, so we start praying, bunch of us, not just me, bunch of us start praying, 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 walking around, touch your hand, no, nothing. Look at heartbeat, pulse, no, nothing, walk. What do you do? Why do you pray? I don't know what you pray, figure it out. Jesus, help. That's probably the best prayer. <laughs> Jesus, if you give some life here, that would be awesome, because I can't do that, right? But it's up to him, do you hear me? There's nothing you can do except doing it. <laughs> Being the channel. With faith. Yes. Same things and greater. Anyway, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. I wish you could see it. The next moment, we touch her. Just, I mean, you don't know what you're doing. You don't feel it. I mean, it's not like she's responding. She's dead, right? It's not like she's giving you anything. Yeah? Some of you are always looking for a sign. There is no sign. She's dead. It's like this thing. Nothing. Right? Pray, pray, pray. But you have the Word of God in you. You know where you come from and you know where you're going. God is with you. God is with you. God said all things are possible. God said you can do this. That's faith. It's the Word. It's the substance of heaven that's inside of you. It's the image and likeness. Therefore, we believe. It's not my feelings. Get over your feelings. Get over my feelings. It's unimportant. It's a stumbling block. Get it out of the way. Right? Pray for His mercy to get it out of the way. Praying, praying, praying. Put our hands on her. The next minute, I wish you could see it. She jumps up. And she looks at us. And she's alive. She's alive. She lives. To this day... She lives. That's six years ago. She's still alive. Jesus did it. Amen. It's nothing to do with me. But I do know where I come from. And it's not a manger, my friend. And I do know where I'm going. And it's not a big stage. It's heaven. It's my Father. It's His life, image, and likeness flowing through me. Yes. And that gives me boldness. I need you to be bold. Yeah. Let go of the past. I'm sorry about the disappointment. It sucks. I can tell you story after story where this doesn't, didn't work. It worked once so far. 
I can tell you many times when it didn't work. I would have really liked it to work on those occasions. But apparently I'm not the boss. <laughs> but what I can do is be obedient and be that donkey that's absolutely clueless, but let him just speak and move through me and not block him. Just, just do your thing, God. Don't have to be that smart. Some of you are too smart. That's your problem. Too smart. Thinking too much. Believing too little. Right? I want to remove excuses from your life today. That's my goal. And I'm finishing now. I promise. No more excuses. No more excuses. The cross made a way. There's redemption. We can get over our hurt. I'm not saying it feels great. It's still painful sometimes. But I'm not stuck. You hear me? We're not stuck. We're going forward. And I need you to want to go forward together with us as the body of Christ. Take that leap. Here we go. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? What if I'm disappointed? You're probably already disappointed. Am I right? What if I look like an idiot? It's going to happen in any way. Most of us do really well in that area without any help, right? <laughs> Just go for it. Just go for it. I know where you, I actually know where you come from. And I know where you're going. And it's glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. It's God in you. It's His image and His likeness in your life. I've still not drank any of this water. Because you guys are talking so much. <laughs> Can I pray for you? I'm sorry if I stretched that thing. But we need to sometimes be stretched. I need to be stretched in my life. I need to see the possibilities of God and go, oh, I've not seen that before. I want to see that. And that's what I hope I'm doing. I want to remove excuses from your life. I want you to be healed by the gospel. Healing in your heart the disappointment, the pain, the lies that you believe about yourself. I want that to be stripped off of you so that you can step into this wonderful world of the impossible things of God. She's so awesome, but man, you're going to feel alive. And it will change you. <laughs> it will change you, I promise you. Every time you see something like that, woo, you get lit up. <laughs> and you're scared. Because no man can do what happened in that room that day. And no one can take that from you. Do you hear me? I've seen it. Now you have a problem. Because <laughs> I've seen it. It's too late now. <laughs> Can't remove it from me. All that does is it fires me up for more. Because if you can do it once, you can do it again. Friends, would you like to stand with me? <clears throat> okay. Sorry about the time. I am. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to give over to Todd and you guys can... So I want to take the moment to 
I have shared this message. Like I said, I wanted to do it this morning first thing and then I felt like it's for this session because I feel there's some of you, you're stuck. You're stuck in a manger. You're stuck in past pain and God wants to rip you out of that place. Friends, it's time. It's time. Come on. It's time. Let's go. Let's do this thing for God, man. Let's live. Let's come alive. If you have pain from the past, if people hurt you, abused you as a child, if you, I mean, whatever it is, just people broke you down. You just believe these lies. You had pain and you trusted God for something and it didn't work out. I'm so sorry. I really am sorry. I'm not trying to be insensitive. And, and I, I get it. The problem is if the more you risk, the more you fail. So trust me, I can tell you stories of failure a lot. But I'm not stopping. I, I'm not going to do that. Right? Don't stop. But if you want healing in your heart, I want you to come to the front and just say, Lord, today is the day I lay this stuff down. Restore your image and likeness in me so that that boldness can rise up. If you have low self-esteem, if you've you're confused about stuff if you're just just struggling I want you to come to the front and we're gonna pray for you the truth is you're not of this world you're not <laughs> Isn't that awesome you're not not of this world you're of his world his world the Creator lives in you that's your reality and I know they told you you're ugly and you're overweight and you're a loser guess what they're wrong. It's as simple as that. He's right. They are liars. So if you want to be healed, I want you to come to the front and just let your heart down here and say, Lord, today is the day. I'm not living defined by people for another day. Not one more day. In Jesus' name. So would you come? We just want to pray with you. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.